Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. I want to share a message with you guys entitled, Certain Expectation. Certain Expectation. And I think we all have different expectations in our life, right? We all have different expectations of maybe what we want our life to be like, uh, maybe a job or a career that we might want to have. Maybe we have different expectations um, about trying a new activity or jumping into something new. I can remember last year, one of our students, Nathan, he brought his little hoverboard on Wednesday night in the gym. If you've ever seen those, they're like sideways and they got the wheel on one end. And so my expectation, I've ridden some skateboards and things like that in my life. So my expectation is that it would be pretty simple to get on and to go around and all that stuff. And my expectation of that didn't quite line up with the reality of it. Because while I didn't have any trouble getting on, and probably because I was holding onto a wall, cheating, but I didn't have any trouble getting on. I didn't have any trouble moving around. But when the time came to get off, I was in trouble. And to say that I just intentionally did a face plant in the gym floor would be very accurate um, to just try to get off this thing because the reality of riding that didn't really align with what my expectation of it was going to be. Uh, or maybe if you can't relate to that, maybe you say, you know, I'm not really athletically gifted and I would never think that that would be even possibly easy. Uh, maybe you can relate more to uh, trying maybe your mom or your grandma's recipe for the first time. Anybody ever tried a recipe of their mom or their grandma or of someone else and you follow everything in the recipe perfect down to the exact measurement and it's not the same. It's never the same, Right. So our expectation that when we make these chicken and dumplings, they're going to be our mom's chicken and dumplings, is just not the reality most of the time. Our expectation a lot of the time does not align with reality. And it's important for us, all the expectations that we have in our life, all the expectations that we have for ourselves, or for our family or for our future, it's important for us to know where those expectations come from. Where do the expectations that we have come from? Well, the expectations that we have from the greatest thing in our life to the smallest thing in our life, they come from what it is we desire. Our expectations are the fruition of what we desire. So when you're making those chicken and dumplings, your expectation that they're going to be great comes from your desire to want them to be great. Or or when you're riding the board, your expectation is that you're not going to face plant in the gym floor because your desire is to not face plant in the gym floor. And the same is true for our walk with God. And the same is true for every other season and situation that we go through. Whatever our desire is, that is where our expectations come from. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that there's always a war, there's always a battle going on in our life between the Holy Spirit and between our sinful nature. He says that there's always a war and it's our decision 
whether we're going to follow the desires of the Holy Spirit or whether we're going to follow the desires of the sinful nature. And I hope for each and every one of us in here that we're going to make the decision to choose the ways and the desires of the Holy Spirit over the ways and desires of this world and of the sinful nature. And when we step to, into those desires, that immediately shifts our expectation to the word of God. It immediately shifts our expectation to who God is and what he has for each and every one of our lives. But the reality is, is that we get to choose. We get to choose if we're going to pick the Holy Spirit to be our guide, pick the Holy Spirit to be our leader, or if we're going to pick the enemy, if we're going to pick the world, if we're going to pick what somebody says about us, or if we're going to pick somebody else to be the leader of our life or our sinful nature, or if we're going to pick the Holy Spirit and walk with him. Because when we pick the Holy Spirit to be our guide, that impacts our desires and impacts what our expectations are. Are. And I want to have expectations of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to have expectations of God. But the title of my message this morning is not just expectation, but it's certain expectation. And, and the reason that I chose that as my title is because when we have expectation in God, a lot of times we think of expectation as a chance or expectation as something that we hope comes true, or expectation as something that we wish would be. But the reality is with God that there's not a chance. There's not just a percentage chance that he's going to come through or that he is who he says he is in his word, but it's a 100% certain fact that our expectations come through when we look to him and when we depend in him. Certain means without any doubt. And I'm so thankful that we can live a life without any doubt in who God is and the expectations that we can place in him. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Take, the, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But the key to that scripture is that he wants to give you the desires of your heart when the desires of your heart line up with the desires of his heart. It first says, take delight in the Lord. And that word delight, if you take it back uh, to the Hebrew, it means to live in or to refresh. So he's not just going to give us the desires of our heart if we say, oh, I want a new car, right? Or I want a new house, or I want a new job, or whatever. But when we actually put our uh, desires in God, and when we align our heart with God's heart, when we delight in him, when we live in him, and allow him to refresh our perspective, allow him to refresh our life, allow him to refresh who we are, our heart aligns with his, and he can give us the desires of our heart. Proverbs 10:28 says the hopes of the godly result in happiness but the expectation of the wicked come to nothing. And from that we can see that it's God that is the source of fulfilled expectations. It's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on what we see in this world. It's not dependent on the people that are around us, but it's simply God that is the source of fulfilled expectation. 
And so I want to take a few minutes this morning, and I want us to talk about a few expectations, a few certain, never-failing expectations that we can have in God and who he is and his will for our life. And I want to look at a man in the Bible who was an incredibly godly man, a man who literally took delight in the Lord, a man who literally lived with God, a man by the name of Abraham. I know Probably everybody in this room has heard of Abraham. He was an incredible, incredible man who walked with God. And and I'm going to read a little bit of his story, not the whole story, because there's a lot about him. But I want to read part of his story this morning out of Genesis. Uh, But before I do, I feel like there's a few things that I want to make sure that we know about Abraham before we jump into the scripture. So the first thing that I already said, Abraham was extremely, extremely close to God. He was a friend of God, and he walked with God. Abraham and his wife Sarah were unable to become pregnant. Sarah was unable to become pregnant, and therefore they were unable to have kids. And also, Abraham and Sarah were very, very advanced in age. I know how I feel at 26, and they were very, very advanced in age. And so that's just another... uh, Just another incredible thing that God shows us through this story. So I want to start reading this morning in Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to jump around a little bit. Hopefully you can follow me if you have your Bible this morning. If not, it'll be up on the screen. We're going to jump from a couple different chapters. Uh, But we're going to start in Genesis 15. And it says in verse number 1, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then I want to skip over to chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse number 1 here as well. When Abraham, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abram, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. 
Each male among you must be circumcised. Each must cut off the flesh of the foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your body will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarah. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100? How many of you guys would want to become a father at the age of 100? That sounds rough, right? Man. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing? But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him always, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become a father of 12 princes. I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On that very next day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised, cutting off their foreskin, just as God had told him. And then the last couple of verses in Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would, and Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said Abraham and Sarah would, be nursing, would nurse a baby? Yet I've given Abraham a son in his old age. And I know that was a lot of scripture this morning. Yes, Austin, that was a lot of scripture this morning. But I wanted to give you that chunk of Abraham's story because I think there's a few really, really incredible things that we can learn from him, learn from him and his relationship with God and the faith that he had. So the first thing this morning, the first certain expectation that God reveals to us through Abraham's story is the certain expectation of protection. The certain expectation of protection. In the first verse that we read, God told Abraham that he would protect him. And I'm so thankful this morning that that same promise, that that same expectation that Abraham could have in God of protection is the same certain expectation that we can have in God of protection as well. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon turned against you will succeed. No weapon. He didn't say some weapons. He didn't say some attacks against you might succeed. He didn't say, well, occasionally. He said no weapon turned against you will succeed. We are always protected by our incredible, incredible heavenly father. And I feel like a really good uh, illustration to kind of show how God is our protector, is if you think uh, to a child, if you think to a child, sometimes you'll see my kid running all over the place around here. 
but he doesn't have to have any fear in the world because he knows that his parents are always looking out for him, are always protecting him no matter what. And even more than a child doesn't fear and knows that protection is covering them, even more we can trust in our Heavenly Father and knowing that regardless of what season we're in, regardless of what's happening around us in our world, regardless of what's happening in our country or happening in our city or happening at our job or happening in our home, God's protection is always there and it's never failing. It's never failing. His protection never fails. And when I think about protection, when I think about God's protection, I immediately think to Ephesians 6 where Paul tells us about the armor of God. And one of the pieces of the armor of God that Paul shares with us is that shield of faith. He talks about how our faith, how our faith in God shields and protects us from the attacks of the enemy. But I know when we read that verse, we may not get the full context of the history of when that verse was written. We may think when we have a shield of faith that we have this awesome Captain America shield for all you Marvel fans out there. This little shield that we're aiming and we're, we're throwing and we're using to try to protect every attack that we can from the enemy. And we're having to aim at every attack no matter which direction it's coming from that it's up to us to put it in the right spot and place it in the right spot. But the reality is, is when Paul wrote that, the shields that, that they used in that day were four and a half feet tall. And they curved around the warrior. So when God says that he has protection for us, it's not a protection that we have to use and we have to aim and we have to place in the correct spot. But it's a protection that surrounds us. It's a protection that fully covers us. The word protection means to cover or to surround or to defend so when God said he's going to protect us, he didn't just say, I'm going to protect you from the things that you can see, but I'm going to protect you from everything. I'm going to protect you from everything that the enemy throws your way, whether you know it's coming or not, whether somebody warns you of it or not, I am going to be your protector. And it's important to remember that what God is protecting us from and what we're in a battle against it's not people, but it's the enemy. It's the enemy of darkness. Ephesians 6.12 says it this way, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So when we're fighting and when we're in battle and when God is protecting us, he's not just protecting us from flesh and blood, from things that we can see, from situations that we can see, but he's protecting us from the unseeable attacks of the enemy and all the attacks that he will continuously throw our way. Because we know that just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we're immune to battle. It doesn't mean that we're immune to attacks. It doesn't mean that we're just going to live this happy-go-lucky, uh, rainbows and cheerios life, right? Never having to face adversity and never having to face battles. And, and no one knew this more than David. You remember David, the, the little shepherd boy that had to fend off a lion and a bear 
and this giant Philistine, Goliath. And then even after that, when he was promised to be king by God, when he was anointed to be king, he also had this ruler Saul chasing after him as well, as if the first three things weren't enough. He knew all about battle, and he knew all about adversity. But I want to share to you what he wrote in Psalm chapter 18. And this was right after God had delivered him from all of his enemies and protected him from all of his enemies. He wrote this in Psalm 18. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me. In my place of safety, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me. The floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped his ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord, yes. I prayed to my God for help. He heard my cry in his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. We're going to go through battle. We're going to face adversity. We're going to go through valleys and storms and difficult seasons of life. And maybe somebody in this room or somebody watching online is in one of those seasons right now. And I just want you to know that God's protection will never leave you. God's protection is always surrounding you, even when you can't see it, even when you're being attacked by things that you can't see. His protection is always there. Just because we're in the midst of battle doesn't mean God's protection is not there for our life. God's protection is always there. And it's important for us to keep a little perspective, right? Perspective is always good. It's important for us to keep a little perspective on God's protection for us. Uh, Paul was really good at perspective in in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, Paul went through a whole lot in his lifetime, and, and he wrote in Philippians 1, chapter 20, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Because he understood the truth of protection, and that is that nothing can ever separate us from God. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Even the most immense attacks of the enemy, even the worst seasons, even everyone turning their back on us, regardless of what we go through, there's not anything that can separate us and tear us away from the love and from the relationship that we have in God. And that is the most incredible thing, the most incredible way that God protects us. We all want to be protected in our families and protected in our finances and protected in our jobs. But the most incredible way that God protects us is by protecting our relationship with him and protecting his love for our lives. One of my favorite scriptures is in Romans chapter 8, and it says that. It says, Romans 8, 35 through 39, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that was revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that scripture because it's just a constant reminder to us every single day that even in attacks, even in temptations, even in the deepest and darkest valleys of life, regardless of what we face, there is nothing, nothing that can come in between us and God. There is nothing that can separate us from God's incredible, incredible love that he has for our life. God is your protection. He is your faithful and certain protection that surrounds and covers you through every battle in the face of every single attack. Through it all, we are protected because of Christ's love and we win. So that's the first thing that we can learn from Abraham's story is that we can have a certain expectation of protection. Number two, the second thing, the second certain expectation that we can have God through and that we learn through Abraham's story is that expectation of purpose. Expectation of purpose. Reading the story about Abraham in the book of Genesis, we can see all of the incredible purposes and promises that God had for Abraham, right? He promised him that he had a son. He promised him that he would have many descendants, that he, would, he and his family would live in the land of Canaan, that he would have more descendants than stars in the sky, and he even promised to him later that through his descendants and through his seed, the entire world would be blessed. So Abraham had an incredible, incredible purpose from God. But the truth is that just like God had an incredible purpose for Abraham, he also has an incredible purpose for each and every one of us. We know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a destiny for each and every one of our lives. And there are a few things in, in his word that he tells us are a purpose and are a destiny and are a plan for each and every one of those. One is found in Matthew 28, and we call it the Great Commission where God tells us, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I'm, I have given you. And sure, be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So God has called each and every one of us with the same purpose. To go and to tell and to share God's love with every person that we encounter. We're all given that purpose. We're all given that purpose to go and tell God's love. We're all given the purpose uh, of 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We're all given the purpose to do everything that we do, every day at work, every situation at home, everything we go through, we give it all to the glory of God, everything we have and everything we do. But we also have individual purposes. We don't all have the same purpose that Abraham had, which is good because I don't want to have a baby when I'm 100. We don't all have the same purpose that Abraham had, but we do all have unique 
purposes. And, and I love a scripture, and I share this with our students all the time. It's Romans 12, 4, and 5, and it says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We all have our own specific special function. We all have our own specific special purpose. We all have something that God is calling us to. We all have our own destiny. And the worst thing that we can do for our destiny or for our purpose is to look at somebody else and wish that we had their destiny or their purpose. Because God is the one that has given you your purpose. So you can be sure that it is a great amazing, glorious purpose and destiny that he has for your life. And the church, the body of Christ, needs every single person doing their own destiny, performing their own destiny, fulfilling their own purpose through God. If the church is going to be what God called the church to be and make the impact for God's kingdom that he has called his church to have. I know firsthand that the destiny that we think our life is or the purpose that we think our life may have is not always what it's going to be. For me as a kid, I never thought that I would be in ministry. I never thought that I could or would or would be able to or would be called to potentially stand on a stage and, and get to share God's word with people like we are this morning. And I never thought, I really never thought, even more than that, that I would be worshiping, leading worship with Haley. Because if I could just tell you all of the headaches that I gave to my grandma as she tried to teach me piano year after year after year after year. And as I fought and as I struggled and as I did everything that I could so that I didn't have to practice the piano for just 30 minutes. 30 minutes doesn't really seem like that much now. But then it felt like an eternity, right? I used to do the most ridiculous things. I know one story that she shares with me all the time is that one day I did not want to have a lesson. I did not want to practice. So being the very intelligent child that I was, um, I thought that if I told her my head itched, then I wouldn't have to play the piano because you got to use your hands to scratch your head, right? Well, she was a little bit or a lot smarter than me. So she said, okay. I'll stand behind you and scratch your head as you play the piano. And, and I'm so thankful for people like that that God puts in our life that'll push us towards the destiny that he has for us even when we can't even think it's a possibility for us. And I know the same is true for each and every one of you guys' life. No matter if you're 10 or if you're 80 this morning, God has a purpose and God has a destiny for your life and God has something incredible that he still wants to do in and through your life and the best is yet to come for you. But it can be hard to believe, like I said. If we just look back to the story of Abraham, if we just look at Abraham's reaction to God telling him that he was going to have a child when he was 100 years old and he was going to be a father and have all this, these descendants and all this blessing. In Genesis 17, 17, this was Abraham's response. How could I become a father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she's nearly 90 years old? He was in unbelief. And Sarah seemed even worse. Genesis 18, 12, how could a worn-out woman like me, enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. 
right? They didn't believe that God's purpose for their life could even be possible. But God's response to their unbelief, God's response to their questions, God's response to them thinking that it would be impossible for them, in Genesis 18, 13, he said, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? And I think that's his message for each and every one of us this morning. Maybe you're struggling with the destiny or the purpose that God has called you to in your life. I would ask the question, is anything too hard for God? God has a destiny, and God has an incredible, incredible purpose for each and every one of us. No matter what we think we know, no matter what we think we're qualified for, no matter what season of life we're in right now, he has an incredible purpose and destiny for our life. So that's number two, the certain expectation of purpose that we can have in God. Number three this morning, the third thing that we can learn from the story of Abraham is that we can have a certain expectation of a plan. A certain expectation of a plan. We, we know, Jeremiah 29, 11, we know that God has a purpose for our life. But like I said, it's oftentimes difficult to understand how that could be possible. But we get to, just like Abraham did, have a certain expectation that God has a plan for us to get to that destiny and purpose that he has for our life. We read in Genesis chapter 17 the covenant uh, that God made with Abraham that he and his family would be circumcised. And even after all of the incredible promises and blessings that God spoke to Abraham, and even though he didn't understand or he didn't think that he could have a baby at 100 years old, he continued on with that covenant. Because he had a certain expectation that God was going to have a plan for his life. He had a certain expectation that even, because, even though he couldn't understand or see why that destiny would be for him, that God had a plan to get him to that destiny. And that's all God is looking for. God's not looking for the person with the most talent or the most ability or the person that has everything just all perfectly put together. But God is simply looking for obedience. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. He's not looking for someone who has all the understanding. He's simply looking for someone that when he says go, will go. He's simply looking for someone that when he says move, will move. He's looking for someone who will be obedient. And he doesn't need our plan that we have for our life. Proverbs 19.21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. It doesn't matter how many plans we have to get us to where we think we need to go. God's plan is always better. Abraham probably would have preferred not to have a child when he was 100. That was probably not his plan. But God's plan and God's purpose is always better. And there are reasons. There are reasons why God's plans are the way his plans are. There's a reason why God's ways are the ways his ways are. And we can't always understand the way God is moving. We can't always understand why, his, why he is moving the way he is. And Isaiah 55.8 puts this perfectly. 
My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. We can't even begin to imagine or begin to comprehend the incredible, incredible plans that God has to get us to our destiny. I wanted to share with you guys a story of a missionary named Dr. William Leslie. And you may have heard about this guy before, but he was a missionary to the Republic of Congo. And he was there for 17 years, ministering to the tribal people there, sharing God's love to the people there. His purpose was to make an impact. But after 17 years, he returned home. And he felt like he had failed. He felt like he didn't make the difference that God called him to make, he felt like he didn't live up to his destiny because the plan didn't work out the way he thought it would. But roughly 80 years later, when some people went back to the area of the Congo where he had been, they found that there were dozens of churches. There was an entire network of churches of people who loved Jesus and were reproducing Christians and churches in that area. And so even though Dr. Leslie thought he had failed because he didn't see all of these churches growing and all of these people uh, giving their life to Jesus, God had a plan. God had a purpose and God moved, and he used Dr. Leslie the exact way that he wanted to, to minister to those people and to raise them up and to bring them into a relationship with him. And we can hold on to that. We can hold on to that in our life. Maybe we know what God's destiny is for our life, but we can't understand why it's not shaping up yet. We can't understand why we're not seeing the end of our purpose yet. We can't understand why God isn't doing all these glorious and amazing things in our life. And we can't understand why we're 10 steps ahead of where we are now. But God has a plan. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Psalm 147.5 says, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. And his understanding is beyond comprehension. God is looking for us to surrender our way and our will and live with a certain expectation that he has a plan for us. Live with the expectation, not a life of worry, not a life of doubt, not a life of fear, but a life of faith and a life of expectation, knowing that he is going to come through for us with his incredible, incredible plan. So that's number three that we can have a certain expectation of God's plan leading to the destiny for our life. And then number four, the last thing, and we're closing with this, is that we can have a certain expectation of fulfillment. Remember, we jumped over to chapter 21 so we can read, or we could read where, where God fulfilled every purpose and every promise in Abraham and Sarah's life by giving them their son, Isaac. And if we continue to read in scripture and if we continue to move forward in the story, we can see all the countless descendants and all the all the countless nations that God brought forth through the life of Abraham and we can even see how through Jesus that God blessed the entire world. And we can have an expectation of fulfillment in the purposes and promises that God has over our life because we know that God's word is true. Amen. 
His word is true. Psalm 33, 4, for the word of God, the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. We know that the word of God is true, and every single promise and every single destiny that God speaks through this word, we know is true for our life. And we know that when this word says that we are protected, that we are protected. And we know that when this word says that we win, that we do, in fact, win. Because this word is true. We can have a certain expectation of fulfillment because God is entirely faithful. Psalm 89, 8, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where, are, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. God is entirely faithful. And that can be hard for us to understand, right? Because even the most trustworthy people in our lives and even the people that we depend on the most, whether that be a family member or a friend or a coworker or a boss or whatever, even the most trustworthy people will fail. And that's what we're used to. But the truth is, is that God will never fail, that God is entirely faithful, and that God will come through for us because he's different than us. We can count on him regardless as if it's a promise from last week, from last year, from 20 years ago, or whether it's a promise from a couple thousand years ago, in this word, we know that God is entirely, entirely faithful. And we know that God is a God of completion. Philippians 1.6, and I'm certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day in which Jesus Christ returns. God is a God of completion. He's going to see you through the entire fulfillment of the destiny and every single one of the promises that he's placed in your life. It doesn't matter where you are now. It doesn't matter how old you are now. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter what you've seen or what people have said about you. God is going to come through for you. And God's destiny and his purpose will come through for you. God is a God of fulfillment. And we can have a certain expectation that God is going to fulfill everything in our life just like he did in the life of Abraham. But, but as we're closing today, the important thing for us to remember about the life of Abraham is that all of the incredible things that God did, the promise of the protection, the promise of a purpose, uh, having an expectation that he'll have a plan, and the expectation of the fulfillment of all those incredible things, none of that was about Abraham. He wasn't the catalyst of everything that was fulfilled through his life. But everything that God did through Abraham's life was all about God. It was all about God. It was about his power. It was about uh, the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And that's why the story of Abraham can still resonate with us today. It's because it's not about Abraham. It's about God. And we know that God never changes. And then we know that God never wavers. And then we know that God is entirely, entirely faithful. And he is the one that we are placing our expectation in. The only thing that Abraham brought to the table was his faith and belief and his certain expectation that God is who he says he is. And that's the only thing that God is asking us to have. 
not a plan, not a strategy, not our own purpose, not our own way of protecting ourselves, but just simply expectation. Just simply expectation in who God is and his faithfulness. Living with a certain expectation, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a life of faith, and it pulls from, the, from our source, from our desires, from our motivation, and from what we're running after. Certain expectations.